My name is F. Gary Gray. I'm the director of The Fate of the Furious, and I want to welcome you to the behind-the-scenes commentary. I'd like to first start off by thanking my Universal family, Ron Meyer, Jeff Shell, of course, Donna Langley, my crew, my producer, Neil Moritz, original films, my writer, Chris Morgan, my editors, Paul Rubel and Christian Wagner, my DP, Steve Winden, and my production designer, Bill Bretsky. I have a lot of people to thank. I'm sure I'll forget a lot, but I definitely want to give a special thanks to Spiro, my second unit director, Jack and Andy Gill, and J.J. Perry. Now let's get into it. Cuba, when I first read the script, I thought to myself, wow, how are we gonna pull off Cuba? The fact that no one had ever shot a film here, especially of this size, from America, we thought, wow, this is gonna be a major challenge, but I was really looking forward to it. If you just look at the surroundings, the culture, the beauty, the history, and of course the cars, you just, you know, you can throw the camera in any direction and not shoot a bad shot. I loved Cuba. Loved, loved, loved Cuba. I am a car guy. People, when I do interviews, they ask me, are you a car guy? I have to admit, I am a car guy. So to be able to see these classic American cars from the 50s and the 40s and just, you know, preserved and rebuilt, just the innovative nature of how the Cubans preserve these vehicles. It was just, it was worth that alone. In the beginning, we showed the shot of Dom and Letty driving the Impala, which is one of my favorite brand cars because, you know, I'm from Los Angeles, and uh, that was kind of a ode to straight out of Compton, believe it or not. The red Impala, I put uh, Dom in that vehicle and people are a little concerned. They're like, Dom wouldn't drive that vehicle. I said, well, let me make it a muscle car. If you could see it in the background, it has racing rims on and stuff like that. But um, I love that car because it really stood out in Cuba. And that one road into Havana with the ocean on both sides, was one of, I think, the most cinematic shots in the movie. And I found it just kind of online. I found that road online, and I said, I told my producers, you got to find this for me. Mike Fertrell, I want to thank him as well, um, a line producer who uh, put it all together and made the impossible possible. One other person I want to thank for really doing a great job and a lot of hard work is my assistant director, Cliff Lanning. Can't forget Charlie McLeod, my assistant as well. I'm gonna keep it about the cars. You want a car, get it the right way. How? Race for it. So let's get back into Cuba. I wanted Cuba to feel sunny, sexy, sultry, and happy. So when you look around, Although there's this little kind of minor confrontation between Raldo, who's played by this great actor, his name is Celestino, and Dom, of course, who's played by Vin Diesel. This is a really 
compared to the rest of the movie, brighter, happier time. So everything is colorful. It's kind of uh, more of a party atmosphere. There are warm tones. And I just wanted the audience to feel, while there is a little bit of a confrontation here, especially with the little evil eyes you see right there with from Celestino, it's still a place you want to hang out. You want to be there. It's a lot of very beautiful people, beautiful cars. The weather's great. It's just a place you want to kind of hang with Letty and with Dom and with, of course, their cousin, Fernando. Laughing us? Nah, Fed. This is Cuban Nas. You guys are crazy. What are you doing? Poor man's turbo. Pull them back. This is one of my favorite moments as well because <laughs> she... I guess borrows a dentist laughing gas tank and they double it as a nitrous oxide boost. And so for anyone who's a fan of the series, you know what Nas does and they don't have that technology there in the way that we have it here in the States. So this was a Vin Diesel, Letty MacGyver moment where they just said, you know what, we don't have a NAS tank here. We'll just go to the dentist and grab something to make this uh, junker a little faster. And Dom had to be really creative about racing this older car. This is his cousin's car. It's not particularly fast, so he takes off all the weight, and he does these really creative things to make it fast. So now the race is on. What I loved about shooting in Cuba is that you get back to the basics. You know, I would read about what the fans loved about this franchise. And, you know, there were certain people saying, you know, I want them to get back to the basics. I want them to go back to just car racing. And this was for those fans who felt like, you know what? We got a, a really heavy into the heists and things like that, but we want to get back to the basics. So what better way to do it than to go to Cuba and to get these original American muscle cars and do it just a, a balls out street race. And that's what this is. There's that Nas hit and uh, you see a little bit of the blue flames in the background. And you can also see if you look really closely the uh, engine is starting to heat up and turn red. The one thing that was really clear when we went into pre-production is that these older cars can't handle the stunts that we put them through. We couldn't go to Cuba and just pick a car out of the crowd and do these stunts. My picture car's genius, his name is Dennis McCarthy. He's worked on most of the fast movies, or at least the last few, and he had to build these cars in America, I believe multiple cars. He probably built maybe six or seven of this one vehicle that Vin's driving, and um, three, I believe three of the Raldo vehicles Raldo's driving a 1956 Ford Fairlane, and Dom is driving a 1950 Chevy Fleetline. And we had to find all these vehicles in America first, strip them down, and rebuild them with new tires, brand new engines, because 
If you were to take these cars up to anywhere from 90 to 125, 130 miles an hour, they would fall apart and would be too dangerous for our actors to drive in, for our stunt people, and to literally drive in these streets with thousands of people watching and witnessing us shooting. It would have been too much of a hazard for them to uh, race existing cars so we all these cars that you see are rebuilt and from what i call is just automotive genius dennis mccarthy now this is the malecon in cuba in havana and it's the main drag off the beach, and I love it. It's beautiful. This is where everyone hangs on the weekends, and I said, you know, I really wanted to do something more than a quarter mile. I wanted to do the Cuban mile, which is more dangerous. It's not just a straightaway. It's driving throughout Havana, making turns and blocking traffic, and really doing probably the most dangerous thing you can do on the road, so you guys don't try this at home but racing these old cars through traffic. Of course, Dom wins the race, because, you know, he was creative, but he's still not in trouble because he's driving a bomb and it's about to explode right on the Melicon. So he jumps out, blam! And I love the silent moment. I did this in my second movie, Set It Off, when Queen Latifah drives through a bank, I believe it is, in a suburban. And I just love those moments where you can just go quiet and then allow it to, you know, kind of land and do what it does. <laughs> On this day, we changed the script. You know, this was a situation where, in the script, it was written that Dom confronts Raldo and he takes his keys to his car and he gives it to his cousin. But I suggested that we do something different. Whoa. You know, that's what the old Dom would have done. You know, he races for pink slips. If you lost, I'm taking your car. But I wanted to give the audience a more evolved Dom. You see, he checks with Letty, which is great, because he considers her, and he takes a look at the keychain, which is kind of great. It's a Cuban keychain. It's a little metaphor there. And he's like, you know what? I don't want to take what you own. You can keep it. And it shows growth, I believe. Just, just, just me personally. And, and it makes you root for Dom, because he's about to turn. <laughs> <laughs> on the family, and you need to invest in him as much as possible. So this is one of my little moments where everybody leaves happy. You know, he's got $100 million from the last movie, so he doesn't need the Impala. He gives that to Fernando, his cousin. He gives Raldo his car back. Everybody's happy. We're in Cuba. It's sunset. The fate of the furious. That's how we open it. <laughs> Now, this is a really interesting moment because you don't see Dom and Letty in, you know, these moments often. You know, she dies, she disappears, she's in a coma. Uh, there's a lot happened to her, so this was a really important moment just to show 
the happiness and really the calm before the storm. You know, you want to see Letty and Dom together and just enjoying themselves. They're married. They're on their honeymoon. And, you know, just a visceral happiness. And just I wanted the, uh, the audience to really root for them. And this is that moment. You know, we've got the satin pillows out, the beautiful villa, which, again, my production designer, Bill Bretsky, did an amazing job creating. To imagine what you'd be like if you were a dad. But this is where they talk about a child. No, 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 no. You know, Dom thinks, oh, wait a minute, are you pregnant? And she, of course, says, no, 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 it's not that. But she wonders why, with all of the adventures they've gone on, with the deep love that they have, why haven't we talked about it? So, again, this is just more of a question posed, and uh, he doesn't answer it. I think it's answered later if you watch the rest of the movie. See the rose? That's a little detail. That rose was for her, but then he meets Cypher. She's this kind of surf girl. Now, this is Charlize Theron. I work with her on um, the Italian job, and she's a, a magnificent actor. She's fantastic. She had some thoughts about how she wanted to shape her character, so the first thing she said is, hey, you know, what do you think about me trying dreads? And at first, I'm kind of like, dreads? Hmm. I wonder how that would look. She says, just give me um, a shot at you know, taking a look at what that looks like. So her hairstylist Enzo, the Italian stallion Enzo, who I worked with on the Italian job as well, put this hairstyle together. And we thought, wow, this is unique. And we wanted Cypher to be unique. We wanted her to be cool um, because the hacking thing is so current. And I said, you know, let's go with it. And so you meet this kind of beach surf babe or so you think, and then you realize, wait a minute, something's going on. This uh, blonde, dread, surf bum here in Cuba is not who she's pretending to be. What else is different, Dom? The Santiago's closed. Did you have to cross two blocks? And you can see in those ice-cold blue eyes, there's something else going on. Yeah. I put a lot of work into getting you here today. Oliver, yeah, what do you want? I want you to work for me. Work for you? Oh, I couldn't. This is where the story starts. You know, everything is colorful and fun and sunny and sexy up to this point. And now, the story changes. There's a shift in tone. And although it's colorful, there's something else going on. Now, I wanted the audience to wonder what exactly did she hand him? You know, of course it's an iPhone, but what's on that screen that makes him respond in that way? And you can see how his energy shifts. And she says, you know what? You, you're gonna be the person that is gonna go up against your team. And I wanted to leave the audience hanging and so I did. They are going to be hitting us. With now, of course, this is a uh, great misdirect here where you have 
Mr. Under Armour, one of the nicest guys in the world, Dwayne Johnson, who I work with on a movie called Be Cool, who played a completely different character, which he did a great job at. He's playing Luke Hobbs in this movie, and you assume he's talking to a bunch of soldiers and they're about to go into battle. But we reveal that it's a bunch of his daughter's friends and the girls' soccer team. And I just thought it was a great moment, not only just to show the kind of humanity and how cool he is as this muscle-bound, loving dad, soccer dad, but it's kind of a homage to his, uh, his culture. You know, we did a little bit of that in Be Cool. At the end of Be Cool, uh, we did some of the native dances from his background, and we did the same thing here. This is something I came up with because I thought, you know what? This would be really funny. It's very specific to his background, who's extremely proud of. And um, you'll never see Hobbs like this in these films. So I thought it would be something fresh to give to the audience. And, you know, every time I screen it with a bunch of people, they laugh their asses off. So it kind of worked. I don't want to play anymore. All right, let's go, girls. Let's go, let's go. Final two minutes. Quite the cheering section. Oh, yeah. And of course, I imagine this this uh, whole moms of the kids gag happens to uh, The Rock <laughs> all the time. This is like every day for him. I think he was uh, voted the most uh, most handsome man in the world this year. And um, we kind of illustrate what it's like to be The Rock in this scene with all his fans. No lights, no power, instant stone age. Chloe, Maya, you can't let her run by you like that. Let's go, let's go. Pops, this is a class four WMD. Do you have any go, idea what's go, at stake go. here? Yes, I know exactly what is at stake here, okay? If the pink butterflies beat my red dragons, that means we lose the championship. Which means I have 20 little girls who are crying, and that's not a good thing. Which then means I have to spend a lot... This is, again, where there's an uptick in the plot and the story. Our deputy secretary comes over to enlist Hobbs in an EMP grab. And an EMP is electric ma magnetic pulse. I, I would call it a weapon. It's a, it's a weapon that essentially wipes out all electricity. And I don't know if we really pushed and defined what would happen if this was activated in the city, but what my research with Chris Morgan revealed is if you lost electricity in a city for a week, it would wreak havoc. And then for two weeks, it would essentially be the beginning of the end of civilization. You know, if you can imagine not having the internet, uh, food, refrigeration, uh, things like that. And so at just with the press of a button, you could essentially cripple a city. This is what the deputy secretary wants. Hobbs to go after, and here's a look that uh, we all want to avoid, which is the, what are you doing? And she does it well. She looks like she has some practice of the uh, super guilt look. But, of course, Hobbs is a good guy. He did what he did with his daughter, but now he's going to enlist the team to help grab this EMP. This is where Dom gets the phone call from Hobbs, and 
if you watch the movie back again, you understand he's soldering and doing a, just something really technical. You see the, the, his cross in the foreground, which this cross has survived many a Fast and Furious movie. You've seen it in most of them, actually, when Dom is involved as the main character. And so this pays off later. Dom, the cross, and some of this technical stuff that he's doing. But I'm not going to give it up now. You'll have to just kind of see what it does later. Now, this is where we blow up parts of Germany in Berlin. That was fun. You know, a lot of explosives, big open field. We had some fun. Now, this is the 2017 Dodge Demon Challenger, and I know it sounded like a commercial. I'm not promoting this vehicle, but I will say they did give us a lot of them, and they're pretty damn cool cars. We wanted to do something where everyone was driving the same vehicle in Germany, so that's the Dodge Demon. I think it's actually pretty nice. Um, we got a chance to drive it. That's what hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of horsepower looks like and feels like. What happened to phase one? What about that part? Yeah, remember the airplane? Everyone drove their cars out but you? I told you my engine seized up. It's your balls that seized up. Just follow my lead, okay? And Roman, whatever. This is the brainchild of Chris Morgan, this moment with the wrecking ball. I have to say, at first, I'm like, wrecking ball? Hmm, let's see how that plays. But it ended up being one of my favorite moments in the movie where this thing goes flying through the crew as they split and now destroys the enemies of the team and the family, and it is awesome. There is another person I have to really thank who, I gotta just be honest, I'm taking a lot of credit for his great work. His name is Mike Wassel, and he's the visual effects supervisor. He's the guy who makes all this stuff possible, you know? I'm not gonna tell you what exactly he did in this scene, but let's just say he did quite a bit of work. But I love this moment with the smile. I love the banter between Tej and Roman. Of course, there's... Ramsey. So we're pretty much in this scene introducing the team and the family. And, you know, not much different about this moment than any other fast where you see them all come together. They've done a great job at whatever the mission is. And somehow something's off about Dom. You can see it in Letty's eyes. And right now, Hobbs has no idea what's coming, but bam, he knows now something's not right. And uh, any normal human being probably wouldn't survive that uh, car wreck. But since it's Hobbs, the guy who can break a cast with his forearm, this is just a Wednesday afternoon for him. Now he's trapped, so he can get out. And Dom does the unthinkable. He takes the EMP, which is a class four WMD. And for those who aren't old enough to know what a WMD is, it's a weapon of mass destruction. And Dom, the moment he gets into this car, has now made an enemy of Hobbs. And that's when it happened.
It is now. German police, of course, aren't happy. This is where Hobbs gets caught and um, subsequently put in jail. And this is where Dom goes rogue. And this is officially when the story starts. You know, this is what we call in our industry uh, an act break from first act to the second act. And now, from this point on, we want to know exactly what happens. Why did Dom go rogue? Now, this billion-dollar plane is exactly that. It's an amazing airplane where Dom does what he can, obviously did a great job escaping the German law enforcement and driving in the back of this plane in order to pull off... I can't even tell you what it took to pull off this stunt, but just suffice it to say, it was very, very, very difficult. You see all the guards there. This is our first time really getting a chance to see Dom is dealing with someone on a whole entirely different level. Now, Letty, after losing Dom in Germany, she's devastated. What's going on? Where is Dom? They're back in the safe house which probably has a couple of my favorite cars. The SS is amazing. And the car that Ramsey is sitting on is a million-dollar car. I wish I could lift the hood up for you, but, you know, you just had to be there in order to see that car. This movie has literally close to $30 million worth of cars, and uh, I destroyed a few of them. And that, that's the fun of directing a movie like this, is just to not only experience these cars, but to destroy a few of them. You just gonna let a bump your shoulder? This moment dramatically was uh, a rift between Ramsey and Letty. And this is where the, the crew starts to kind of fall apart. We're used to seeing them, you know, come together and coalesce around a mission. But without Dom there, the patriarch, it's an issue, you see them start to splinter. This is the introduction to one of my favorite actors of all time, Kurt Russell. He is just the nicest guy. He brings so much experience to a role. He's, so, he's such a pleasure to work with as well. He's collaborative, he has great ideas, and um, I just love working with him. He had, you know, a small role in this, but... Um, he was awesome to work with. We're also introducing Scott Eastwood, who, for anyone who's been under a rock for the last couple of years, is Clint Eastwood's son. This young guy is on the rise, and I predict is going to be a massive, massive star. So I got in really early. You know, I got him to uh, play uh, seventh fiddle. <laughs> in Fast 8 and Fate of the Furious. You know that. I do, and that's what I told them. Well, there you have it. You know, one of the great benefits of working on this film in particular is the cast. You know, I literally have the biggest actors literally 
as you can see with The Rock, and figuratively, in the world. I have them all in one film. So that's one of the, the great, I think, joys of working on this movie in particular, is just to have so many artists to play with and to create with. Now, is it a challenge? Sometimes, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and say it's always like, you know, perfect, but, you know, because just the schedules alone, you know, which I have to, again, take my hat off to my AD Cliff Lanning and to Mike Fertrell, the, the line producer, who had to just schedule these guys, you know, with The Rock doing his HBO show Ballers, and I think he was doing another film, Baywatch, at this time, and, you know, Jason Statham has a shark movie he was doing. There's a lot going on. Charlize had her movie. So to just get them all in the same room was a logistical nightmare. And um, I really have to give props to the team of people who made it simple for me. All I had to do is just show up and point cameras and motivate them. They had to get them there. Yeah, good luck with that, Hercules. Loman gone bad, huh? Such a cliche. Oh, well, welcome to the club. I wouldn't get that twisted, son. We ain't in no club. We got nothing in common. And unlike you, I ain't gonna be here long. Well, you bring a shovel, did ya? Because it's 38 feet of steel and concrete. Well, so I've been told. <laughs> Better get to digging. Wanker. There's that billion-dollar plane again that I was talking about. And if you look in the belly of this plane, this nerve center here is like the Pentagon with wings. I was really, really impressed with the design of this plane because, you know, it's one thing to hack from a Starbucks. <laughs> it's a whole other thing to, to hack from the Pentagon. But once you throw wings on the Pentagon and you can hack into any world government, into any financial system or financial market around the globe from the sky, that's where you get into technologies that really exist. And um, I loved, you know, being a part of the design of this aircraft. Again, hats off to Bill Bretsky, my production designer. A pair for this is an awesome moment because if you look close, <laughs> Charlize is wearing a Metallica t-shirt and <laughs> revealing AR-15s and uh, that's just the type of woman you want, you know, someone who can kind of rock out and grab an AR and have some fun. Now, uh, you know, sometimes you got to put the anti-gun stuff aside and have some fun. She looks like she has a lot of fun with most of those tools in that room. And uh, it's just a fun moment across the board. It's almost like 007 on steroids. She is absolutely awesome. That's who I am. Is it? Let me ask you something, Dom. What's the best thing in your life? Family. No, it's not. Not if you're being honest. It's the 10 seconds between start and finish when you're not thinking about anything. No family, no obligations, just you. Being free. These are moments that are, I think, particularly challenging because 
you have Vin playing a character who has a plan in play, but he can't act as if he does. He's going along with her plays and what she has set up. And so there's a lot of drama and a lot of story uh, underneath his performance. And um, it's just an emotional pocket that I don't think you normally see Dom and you don't see Vin playing. And I gotta say, I'm really, really impressed and really happy with the performance I got out of Vin because it is a different space for him. And I think he nailed it. Plenty ago. You must have misplaced that when I kicked your ass up and down that office of yours. Yeah. Just like you Brits rewriting history, huh? All I know is it wasn't me that was thrown out of a four-story window. Jump. This line of story <laughs> with Hobbs and Deckard Shaw is so funny to me. I can't think of any more of a testosterone-driven moment or sequence than the two alpha males of alpha men in jail about to wreak havoc in a maximum security prison. I, I just can't think of a, a more manly man guy moment. And I got to say, not only am I a car guy, when it's good, I'm an action guy. This is one of my favorite fight sequences in just film history. Certainly something that anything related to any of my movies is one of my favorite things. And I got to give a lot of credit to my stunt coordinator, J.J. Perry, who is just a master at designing and coming up with and choreographing how this all works. What we were going for besides hell in a cage, we were going for this parkour approach that Jason Statham is displaying, is showing how really dangerous yet, it's not choreographed, it's just something kind of dangerously elegant about what he's doing with this parkour approach to kicking the shit out of everyone. The Rock is all brute force. And he's just going to walk through the wall. He's just going to remove anything or anyone in his way. Rubber bullets, big mistake. This is a funny moment, too, because <laughs> I've been hit with a paintball before, and uh, it doesn't feel good. For this guy to take rubber bullets and to just shake them off like that, you got to be a real just bona fide tough guy to do that. And um, I'm going to put The Rock in that category. Just bona fide, certified tough guy. So, again, you see brute force where this guy comes and he breaks this guy's arm, broken, and then elegant. I gotta find another word for that because Jason's gonna probably beat the hell out of me for saying the word, but 
brute force. Okay, here's a moment that's not so elegant. Okay, that's a great headbutt. And then throws off the rib, which is a great, just funny moment. Okay, here's something that's not elegant. This guy sweeps this guy and he does a, a flip, flips him over, wow. And then they, of course, slide. They're about to fight, click, 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 click. And the only person who could face two of the toughest guys in the world, Kurt Russell. Nobody cooler. Took longer than I expected. He's just very cool. He's cool like that in real life, by the way. You know, it doesn't take a lot of acting for Kurt to just kind of show up and disarm everyone and make what could be a very tough shoot easy for everyone. Listen to something I want to talk to you about. Hey, listen, guys, thanks. Whoa, 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 what handcuffs? What is this? It's called abuse of power. You told me to round him up. I didn't tell you to handcuff. Now, if you could imagine, we have a billion dollars worth of talent in this room. Sorry to describe it that way. You know, you have Tej, who's ludicrous, who's great in the music game. Tyrese, who's amazing in the music game. You have Kurt Russell in movies. You have The Rock, who, of course, is just a big star in movies and television. There's also Michelle Rodriguez, who is the queen of the Fast franchise. And not to mention Game of Thrones, Natalie Emanuel. So you have the best in movies, the best in television, the best in music, all in one room. It's just so much talent in this room. Again, as a director, you live for the day where you could actually create with very cool artists. And this was a great day to work with a lot of very talented people. How about we focus on someone who we're not gonna find on anybody's list? We're awaiting hard confirmation, but I believe... That's a cool hairstyle, by the way. <laughs> Just off the subject for a second. Wait, no, Cypher's an organization, not, not a person. Not according to our sources. What does she want? No one knows. Cypher's this is where I believe Roman, he's pretty impressed with not only Cypher's abilities, but the fact that he thinks she's cute. Matter of fact, there was kind of this undercurrent of just inappropriate behavior from all the guys in, in this scene. If you look at uh, what Tyrese <laughs> with Roman just says, well, she, there's the eye roll. <laughs> just focus, focus, focus. So she kind of just brushes that off. But even Anonymous won't mess with her. What the hell does any of this have to do with us? Probably nothing, Letty, but I do find it interesting that apparently, for some reason, she's now working with this guy. This is where Letty realizes where Dom has gone and is teamed up with this global terrorist. And you talk about cyberbully, you know, this is kind of taking that concept to a whole nother level. We get a little backstory on Cypher and you recognize that if you were to take her abilities and this EMP weapon and put it together, there's absolutely no way anything good could come out of it. And again, Deckard, Shaw, and Hobbs. The day we shot this, there is this natural competition between these two guys. 
in real life. You have one guy tells a joke, the other guy one-ups him with a joke, and the other guy... I have so much footage on the floor that didn't make it of these guys one-upping each other. It was just a kind of a fun, kind of friendly competition between <laughs> Jason Statham and The Rock. And you could, you could see it right now. You could just feel the energy between the two. I think something's going to come out of it, you know? We'll see. But I, I definitely wouldn't mind seeing a two-hander between Shaw and Hobbs. If I get a shot to take it, then believe me, Flick, so I'm taking it. You're taking my boot right up your guys, ass. Guys, 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 the fastest... And here's another funny moment with another pair, Little Nobody and Roman. So you have the beef between these two guys and the beef between Roman and Little Nobody. It's just good conflict. And it makes for great humor. Which, again, in a movie like this is so crucial. The fans, they're not used to this much drama. So it was important to me to make sure the humor, especially coming from Roman, as you see here, countered the drama. Because, you know, if you're not careful, the audience could walk into a movie and say, whoa, 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 whoa. What am I in here for? I really didn't expect this type of movie, but you can't help but deliver on this level of drama given the subject matter. Dom goes rogue, as you'll find later, the reason why, and it's dramatic, and you have to stay true to that drama, but to counter that, to balance the tone, which is my job, the humor is crucial. So someone like Tyrese, who is naturally talented, he's naturally funny, is someone I really had to rely heavily on to deliver the other side. I call it the yin to Dom's yang. Singing random spots all over the globe, but it was a good thought, Roman. So she's made my program obsolete. And that, Ramsey, is why you're here. See, simple solutions aren't going to cut it here, Slick. Why you look at me when you say that? Wait a second, wait, wait. Simple solutions might just cut it. You see, in order for God's eye to give off all the... And everybody has a purpose. Tej is incredibly smart. So is Ramsey. That's why nobody brings them here. And I love the fact that they can jump on this supercomputer and reverse what Cypher did just in seconds. And that's what happens. The whole God's eye, the graphics, the concept, I think is just a great idea. I wanted to make sure that we didn't deliver the same graphics from the previous movies. So you see this 3D globe where all of these spots pop up around the globe. And I, I just think it's really, really cool. Yeah, like fresh baby shit. As soon as we have Trotto's location, I want to mobilize. Let's get a hold of us. In the midst of giving you all of this exposition, there's great comedic dynamics happening between Little Nobody and Roman, You're Little Nobody and Hobbs. There's this kind of connection between Tej and Ramsey. It's all playing out in nowhere. This is, I think, one of my favorite moments as well, where Kurt Russell's character realizes that Dom is here. So is Cypher. They get to meet her in person. And, um... I wanted to be really clear that these weren't real grenades. They were just concussion grenades. And, 
you know, they would disable him for a little bit, but not try to kill him. I know that door was a little uh, much, but this is, of course, the moment the family meets Cypher. It's this cool slow motion moment where they walk in with their bulletproof body suits, fully armored from head to toe, and these concussion grenades did a number on these guys, just enough to keep them discombobulated for a little while. They didn't want to hurt them, but they just wanted to disable them for a little bit. Nice to see you again. <laughs> Look at this. Body's not even cold, Dom. Your family's already replacing you. Charlie's is so kind of naturally just heavy in these moments. You know, you really, really believe her. And that's one of the benefits of working with someone with her talent and her experience. She's a beautiful woman, but she also brings this, this gravitas and this heaviness to a character like this where you believe her. You know, sometimes you can't just plug anyone into this role. You know, you have someone who's attractive. They kind of run into a situation like this. They deliver the lines, but you don't believe them. You're like, ah, you're a supermodel. I don't believe it. But every word that she speaks, every movement she makes, you believe every ounce of what she offers. And that's really tough to do. It's something that you cannot take for granted. Some guys can't do it. You know, some guys who try to, you know, come in and give you a bad guy or an antagonist, they can't deliver on the level and the promise that this type of character, you know, needs to bring. You're gonna turn your back on family? Just like that? Now, the kiss. This is probably one of the most dynamic, disappointing, insane, crazy moments in the Fast Saga. I knew that not only the day I shot it, but we shut down Times Square to deliver and to present our first trailer. If you could imagine all of the screens in Times Square playing our trailer all at once simultaneously, everyone really, and it was literally thousands of people out there watching these huge screens in Times Square, and they enjoyed the trailer. It was amazing to see them experience it. But not until we got to the end of the trailer and that kiss happened did I literally feel Times Square stop. It literally, like, it, everything just stopped. It, sh it shut down. And you heard this collective gasp, like, <gasps> no. why is Cypher, Charlize Theron's character, kissing Dom? And that's when I knew this was going to be a tectonic shift in cinema. And... As you can see, what the turnout was for our movie, we're so happy with how it turned out and the, the fans' response. But in and amongst all of the, 
drama, the submarines, the Lamborghinis, the flipping cars. There was more charge in that kiss than some of the action sequences, and that's a testament to my two actors here, Charlize and Vin. Their on-screen chemistry is massive. It's just massive. Man, it's really something you can't teach. I can direct people, and I can send them in a certain direction, but chemistry is something that's organic, and they have it sevenfold in this movie. This moment here is the reveal. It's the motivation. It's the reason why we're here. And um, it's interesting to watch the fans because when you watch the YouTube trailer reactions, I think they call it, you watch someone's reactions to the trailer. When they see that Dom went rogue, most of the comments are, are, wait a minute, how that happened? Why did he do it? I don't believe it. And you had a, a bunch of people who wanted to see the movie just to understand why he did it. What's his motivation? Some people were negative, like, ah, I don't believe it. I'm going to see it anyway because I want to know why. This is the reason why. Dom has a son. And it's the big surprise. Elsa, she did an amazing job. Again, this is, you know, you go from action to drama and you totally believe it. This is, I think, one of Vin's profound moments. I think one of the most profound moments in his career as a performer. If you look at him in the restraint and the emotion and the tear, this is not forced. This is just something he naturally felt. You see her eyes welling up and you see the connection between the two. You see the his eyes welling up. You know, Vin loves his children. And you see that smile? This is something I think was very, very real for Vin. And, you know, you're not used to seeing Dom in this space where he has these emotional moments. I don't think you've ever seen this part of the reason why I want to do this movie. But Vin naturally sits in his pocket and I think is one of his best performances of his career. And he delivered like a champ. So when people kind of, you know, say, oh, well, yeah, Vin's a great action star. I say, no, you, you got to look a little deeper. This guy really, really knows what he's doing. And that moment is a testament to his skill. And I'm, I was glad to be a part of it. I know. I know what you're thinking. I just let the guards go, so there's only two opponents in the room. Rhodes has the gun, so you'll take him out first. I know you. And then you're thinking, Elena's a cop, maybe... This is uh, one of the few monologues that I'm a fan of in, in, in The Fate of the Furious. She goes into what I believe the monologue is called choice theory. She gives Dom the option to use the gun, and it's really loaded. 
She gives him the gun, and she bets that he's not going to use it. This was a really tough day, because I have to admit, Vin's <laughs> street sense kind of kicked in. He's like, why would I pull a gun and not use it? I'm like, listen, I know we're from the streets. <laughs> and I know the rule is if you pull it, you got to you gotta use it. But sometimes you have to kind of break the rules in order to have a dramatic moment. So I convinced him to point the gun at her head and, of course, not shoot it just for the drama. It's a dramatic moment. When she walks closer to the gun and puts her head to the barrel, that's the moment that I was looking for. I know family is so... This is where you get that magnetic energy that has nothing to do with cars. This is just so tense. And so it's so much suspense there. It has nothing to do with vehicles. And that's what I wanted. So Vin had to compromise in this moment because, you know, his street sense has kicked in, but... I'm glad he did because this was just an amazing moment between the two. I'm alone. When he screams right there, when I, you know, because I'm alone, everybody jumped on that airplane. Everybody, the cameraman, else, everybody jumped because <laughs> we didn't expect it. I think Charlize even jumped, but um, again, another really, really great moment with Vin and something different from Dom. Now, you got to track this story. Remember I was telling you about the cross? Something really uh, significant going on. If you had already seen the movie, then you know what's going on with the cross. But if you haven't, I'm going to make you wait until we get to the moment and we understand why him hanging that cross there is significant. Watch. That's a great moment, too. If you want to see the old Dom, watch. She closes her eyes like a true sociopath. Look at that. You can't, you can't teach that. <laughs> you just can't. Damn it. She wiped it off. Took God. This is where Scott Eastwood earns the tag Little Nobody. By the way, I'm going to take credit for that, <laughs> that, that character name. I was sitting with Chris Morgan. I don't know where we were. We were in some long, multi-hour story meeting, and we were trying to figure out what we would name this guy. And I said Little Nobody as a joke. And everyone in the room laughed, and... Um, it just stuck. And so we gave that line to Tyrese, and uh, that's who he is from now on. Little nobody. Thought untraceable aircraft was all internet conspiracy stuff. It's not. Satellites and radar grids all across the globe shift like an ocean. And they've got channels that open and close, and theoretically, if you know the right people who know the right patterns. So we get into how we find Dom. We get a little banter between Hobbs and Shaw. It's kind of interesting with technology today. It's so, I don't know, I guess it's so current how everything you, that everyone's doing is just really at the end of 
their fingertips, you know, whether it's an iPad, a phone, or a laptop. And um, they recognize that Dom is heading to New York by these currents in the radar system. And I thought that was kind of a cool moment because I'm hoping that's true. I'm not going to say it's true. I think, I think it is true, though. And why are we traveling like this again? Because Dom took God's eye, so we need to stay off the grid. But like this? Now, we come to one of my favorite places on planet Earth. Not this fish warehouse. <laughs> this is just the uh, intro to what I so lovingly call the toy shop. Now, there's literally $25 million worth of cars in this space. And we're talking about every single car you could imagine. And um, as Little Nobody, I guess, describes it, it's a place where the government keeps all of these cars that were confiscated from dope dealers, but it goes beyond that. I mean, if you freeze the frame, you would see cars that you'll never see, you know. And Dennis McCarthy and our guys, they went around the United States trying to find these cars and, you know, to place them on these racks, stacked three high, and to have them there for literally a couple of weeks if you can imagine what it took to just rent those cars, you know, some of the cars range from anywhere from a hundred grand to a million dollars, like the value of each car. And so I was really happy to be able to just shoot these moments with just the backdrop. You know, when, when you think Fast and Furious, you think cars. And while I think the story is amazing and it's very, very strong, you got to get to it and get to the basics and this is it amazing cars wow i'm in love now here's this million dollar lamborghini show car and uh, of course roman is uh he gravitates to this thing it's kind of funny because uh, when i was in pre-production tyrese called me on a saturday and he said make sure i have some nice cars in this movie man because, uh, you know, sometimes I get I get a cool car here and there, but I, I want some I want I want a few nice cars. And I'm like, all right, Tyrese, I'll take care of you. So the, the part of the reason why you see him in his Lamborghini is because I kept my promise. Um, also, you know, you'll see him a little later on in his Bentley GT. Now, this is a cool car. You don't see this car often. This is Dom's 1971 Plymouth GTX very rare car and again dennis mccarthy rebuilt this thing from from the ground up and it's it's just so impressive just so impressive just the growl of the engine and amongst of all this technology and these new cars with all these computers and gps systems when you get back to the basics man it's nothing like an American muscle car like this. Nothing. And um, that's Dom and his brand loyalty, the Mopar loyalty. And um, that's what really distinguishes him from everyone else. You know, he can do it with just 
pure brute strength and muscle. And uh, that's what I like about him as a character. Now we brought God's Eye back. And this is a kind of a cool moment because when you hear about all the ways that people uh, use surveillance uh, uh, and, 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 and monitor people and hack people, this is so real. Right now, you know, they can hack into our phones, hack into our TVs, hack into just pretty much everything. And, um, you know, a few years ago, you would think this is science fiction, but it's so real. I'm glad we're really, you know, not only exposing it, but showing this is uh, the God's Eye thing. If it's not exactly this, it's pretty damn close. Dame Helen Mirren. I'll give you Again, this is a highlight of my career. When you work with the queen, you can, you, that's, that's just an amazing feather in your cap. You can go your whole career and not work with the queen. And she was so sweet. I remember calling her when we finalized her deal and I called her up and she said, Felix? I said, Felix, wow. You know, for those who don't know, the F in F. Gary Gray stands for Felix. That's my first name. And uh, apparently she had a, a really good friend named Felix. So she decided instead of calling me Gary, which everyone calls me Gary, she's going to call me Felix. I knew I was going to have a great relationship with her from that point on because she made it real personal on the first phone call. Now, if you look at the leopard print, this is some, one of the reasons she wanted to do this movie. Besides the fact she wanted to be in a Fast and Furious movie, and she made that clear a few years ago. One of her goals is to be in a Fast and Furious movie. She wanted to play this, I believe it's a South Londoner. I'm, I'm not so familiar with the, the pockets of London, but this is the street side, I believe. And I'm, some, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. But, um, you know, there's this kind of more posh side, which is the upper class part of England where the queen and and the like kind of do their thing. But then there's the other side. And she's kind of representing the other side now and having some fun with that. You'll find out later on who she's related to. But when we had our first conversations, that was part of the reason why she was excited to do this is just to play the opposite of what you would expect from Dame Helen Merrim. I just loved working with her. She was great. Look at that. 1966 Stingray. It's the red Corvette that Letty's working on. That's one of my favorite vehicles in this movie as well. Very rare car and um, extremely fast. And you'll probably bask in the, the thought that I destroyed a few of those things just because. Matter of fact, if you look, there's a Mercedes-Benz in the background that Tej is working on. Hobbs has an international M MTX, which is that blue truck behind Jason Statham with the digital camouflage. There's the two-tone Bentley GT that Roman drives. I destroy all those cars. Matter of fact, a few of them. So if you ever see kind of a rich guy that you don't like that drives one of those cars, I did this for you, you know? I destroyed a few of those cars just for you and for me, too. Shame I'm going to have to bounce your head off the fender when this is all over. Ah, well, with all due respect, Captain, 
When this whole thing is over, we're gonna find a location, and I'm gonna knock your teeth so far down your throat, you're gonna stick a toothbrush right up your ass to brush them. <laughs> Give me God's eye. God's eye, active. Ted. Let's find us a Russian. I spy with my little eye, minister. So now, you're in this billion-dollar plane in the nerve center. And uh, this guy, I've worked with him before as well. You know, it's kind of funny because I've worked with then earlier in 2000 on a man apart. I worked with Charlize and Jason Statham on an Italian job. I worked with Ludacris on a Pepsi commercial. I worked with The Rock and Be Cool. I worked with Oleg Krupa, our Russian uh, defense minister in the Italian job as well. He was the Russian guy with the hatchet. He's such a nice guy. And, um, you know, one more person from the Italian job, this would be the Italian job sequel. So uh, I had to be careful about casting too many people from the Italian job, but basically, between Charlize, Jason, and Ole Krupa, I really went in on the Italian job casting situation. So thank you, Oleg. You did an amazing job in the Italian job and a great job in this one as well. Where's my team? Where's his team? There's no sign of them yet. They're off the grid. They're probably just bunkered down somewhere. I'm closing in on them. You guys ready? One thing I can do. So one of the best parts of taking this movie was to be able to place the story in New York City, which is virtually impossible. To get a car to go above 25 miles an hour in what is the busiest city in the world, traffic-wise, is just next to impossible. So I have to really take my hats off to Spiro Rosados because my second unit director and his team really went all out and made this sequence fantastic. New York is, you know, it's just one of those cities where, you, you know, you shoot in Rome. You know, I got a chance to shoot in Venice with the Italian job to shoot in just these amazing places. New York is one of those places you have to put on your bucket list as a director. And to shoot Fast and Furious in New York is, again, just close to impossible. Look at that traffic. And to do what we did, I don't think will ever be done again. I'm not gonna tell all of our secrets because we did have to do a, we had to cheat a little bit here and there, but um, all in all, to place our team in New York City with these zombie cars, with this zombie car sequence, with all of these hacked vehicles, I think um, you'll never see it on the big screen again, not like this. And um, I think, you know, my team did an amazing job with the sequence. That's just a funny moment. Could you imagine what it takes to hack this many cars and to coordinate, just, just actually to shoot it, let alone hack it and do it. I mean, you know, this time in a few years, 
We're going to probably see some stories about uh, similar to this. Hopefully not dangerous like this, but good gracious. I mean, technology, you know, a lot of times if you use it well, it, it really helps out. But this is one of those things where it could actually go the other way. Please escort down. Cypher being the evil genius that she is, she takes technology and frankly uses it against us. And um, I gotta say, it's pretty damn creative. Now these are brand new cars. Now if you can imagine to take all these brand new cars off a showroom and just showroom floor and destroy them, man, it just required a lot of resources, a lot of deal making, a lot of money, frankly, to destroy hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars. That's what it took, and we did it all for you. So when I see you next, give me a thumbs up because we went all out with this sequence. Again, I'm gonna step out on a line and, and say, this New York sequence probably is one of my most favorite of all time. I think it's gonna take the number one spot. Now that's dumb. Look at that. Could you imagine the amount of cars it took to actually achieve that? Now the team's on their way. Now look at these cars. You have the Subaru, which little nobody drives this, uh, I think it's a 2015 Subaru BRZ. We had to do a little something for the guys who love the imports. And of course, I think I mentioned it earlier, Hobbs drives his International MTX, Roman, the uh, Bentley GT, Letty steps out in her 66 Corvette. Of course, Tej has the Mercedes AMG GTS. This right here, we did this. I remember talking to Spiro, my second unit director, about the idea of having cars rain out of a parking structure. And, you know, his idea of making this happen, I thought was just genius. You know, we had a, a bunch of stuff planned and we ended up making this particular stunt work. And I'm so happy with it because you've never seen this on film. Uh, you've never seen it on the big screen or the small screen. I just think that it's genius. It's current. It's modern. It's the epitome of what you go to the, the movies to see. Target immobilized. You're up, Tom. This is one of those moments where Dom's costume is, I think, pretty incredible. My prop master who worked with me on Law Abiding Citizen, his name is Gary Torres. He helped design this hockey mask that went along with this bulletproof suit. I think he did a great job. My costume designer, Marlene Stewart, worked really closely with me to make this kick-ass costume for Dom. And he's just like the shark in the water, you know? If there was a, a land shark that was uh, as intimidating as anything you could imagine, this is what I came up with, with Marlene and with Gary, and I think they did a phenomenal job. I would mess with that dude. 
And of course, here's the team driving through Times Square. And again, if you know New York at all, if you know Times Square, to drive anything at over 50 miles an hour through Times Square, the amount of pre-planning, the logistics, the lockups, the controlling of traffic, the controlling of pedestrians, the bringing in cranes and helicopters and things like that, it's such a logistical nightmare because, you know, post 9-11, it's very hard to get anything done in New York City because of just the security to bring the cast to New York to race the cars through New York City. You have to go the extra mile and then some in order to deliver on that. And um, it may seem like a simple car buy where the cars just drive past the camera, but it's so much that goes into it. Again, I have to really thank my ADs and my, my second unit and third unit teams that, you know, helped coordinate a lot of this stuff. Gunners are saying he stole a nuclear football. It's over, Toretto. Get your ass out of And this is where Dom faces the team in what I'll call vehicular mayhem in New York City. Let's play. Look how cool these cars are, by the way. I just, I love it. I love it. Every single one of those cars are, you know, insane. And um, I talked to Dennis, and he said that he's never worked with a director who had so much input, you know, because I'm a car guy. I was involved with picking the rims, the tires, the color of the interior. You know, I really wanted a certain flow, and I wanted each car to represent each character. And really inform the personality of that character. So you see how Letty's driving the vet. You know, you can see her driving that. You, you can see Tej driving this, you know, technically advanced Mercedes Benz. And of course, Roman's gonna grab the Bentley, you know. <laughs> and, and Dom and his uh, GTX. You know, we're not familiar with Little Nobody, but it seems to fit him, that Subaru. Hobbs in the big truck, of course, you know, that, that probably seems obvious. And um, I just think it all worked out. But it was a lot. You know, my assistant Charlie helped with uh, picking the car colors. I used my car guy, Leonard Jefferson, from straight out of Compton. He was responsible for helping with the all the cars in Compton, you know, but especially the Crenshaw sequence with all the lowriders and, you know, all the custom cars. So I brought him on to uh, Fast 8, uh, Fate of the Furious, to help with designing and achieving some of the looks that I was going for. Because you don't really see these types of cars, with the exception of maybe the GTX and some of the, the Dom cars. These cars you don't really see in a Fast and Furious movie. So I wanted to do something different and give the fans something different. So you don't see a ton of imports. And that's because you've seen them quite a bit. I wanted to give you something different. Leonard Jefferson really helped with achieving what I was going for. And again, the idea is that these cars come from 
a warehouse filled with cars that were confiscated from dope dealers on the East Coast. So that's why they have a certain look and a certain vibe. And um, I think just thought it would be different and to give the audience something fresh. Who knows for the next one what'll end up happening in the realm of cars, but for this one, that was my thinking. Watch the drive till the line will snap! Now, I call this the uh, Moby Dick moment. I don't know why. I think it's because, you know, you have this black car, and it feels like a whale that's being just held down and harnessed by the team with all of these harpoons, and they stretch them out. This is, again, part of the New York sequence, which is probably by far my favorite. Don't get me wrong. I love Cuba, and I love what's coming up. But this is just so, the metaphor behind kind of chasing Dom and trapping him and trying to contain him and restrain him, they're doing it literally and also figuratively to see his foes from the past, which, you know, Hobbs used to be a foe. Of course, Shaw was a foe. And then he, working with his family, this is just something I think that would make the average Fast fan's head explode. It's just damn cool. To have a car that's 2,000 horsepower plus is any car guy's dream. You can do stuff like this. <laughs> to be able to flip a Bentley, you have to be really pulling something really powerful. I love this moment. I, I love it. This guy, Dom, is actually using not only the power of the car, but his, his wit. He's outsmarting them. And uh, you and I, we probably would, wouldn't have ever been able to escape a situation like that where you're surrounded and you're harnessed and harpooned in is just, you know, an impossible situation. But of course, Dom, he always figures it out. This is a surprising moment uh, that no one expects. You know, Dom pulls the gun on Shaw and the unthinkable happens. And you would never think, given Shaw's background, that you would feel bad for him, because we know his history. But you're like, wow, Dom just killed Shaw. Not cool. He just crossed the line. What are you going to do? This moment right here is... Uh, one of my favorite moments because this is Michelle Rodriguez's best moments. I don't know why She's such a really great talent. And her acting choices in this moment, both of them, you could see, you could just see the chemistry and the love between the two, you know, and the history between the two. We love Dom and Letty. 
And she meant it when she said, you're, you love me and you're not gonna shoot me. You know, we all can relate. If you've ever been in love, we all can relate to that. And so again, in the midst of all the carnage and the cars and the loud music and uh, the colorful locations, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. The heart of this movie is about family and it's about love. And her line right there really just kind of encapsulates everything that this franchise is about. Let's go. And of course, Dom would never let anyone take advantage of Letty, no matter what's at stake. Look at that look. Man, if looks could kill. And she's really feeling it. I love that moment. And back to the toy shop, of course. They're gone. And DOD confirmed it was a nuclear. Everybody's disappointed. They're worn out. They're surprised. They're building towards something. Deckard? Again, you would never think you would be sad given Shaw's history, but, you know, we, we start to like the guy. Now, The Rock is a strong dude. To be able to put a dent in that big metal container, man, like I said, you and I, we couldn't do that, but that guy is superhuman. I'm disappointed in you, Dom. When push came to shove, you were going to let Letty just walk away with the codes. You got the codes! Rhodes got the codes. But getting back to some of the choices that Vin made as an actor, this is just another one of those moments where the chemistry between Charlize and Vin, it's just right there on the screen. The baby is amazing, too. I definitely have to give props to the baby because working with kids is just very hard. And um, this kind of three-way thing that's going on between the baby, Charlize, and Vin, it's so this is electrifying. And I don't throw that term around loosely. If you look at the connection, it's hard for your heart not to melt. And you have one of the toughest guys in film being vulnerable, and it's very real, you know? It's, it's very real, it's very powerful, it's very strong. And, you know, when I look at my favorite leading men, guys like Humphrey Bogart and Marlon Brando, you know, they had this quality where they were men, you know, a man's man, and, you know, very masculine, very, you know, toughest of tough guys, but they also had this ability to be vulnerable, which really, I think, kind of encompasses the human condition. It's like, we're never just one thing. We're a mix of things. But to be able to balance the masculinity with the vulnerability is, I think, a gift. If you can perform that and you can deliver that, that really is a gift. And I think that that was a moment where Vin was able to show his range as an actor. And um, I, I appreciated his choices in that moment, for sure. Can you pull up the footage from the guy in the alley? Traffic cams. I got you. I knew it. I recognize that guy. That's Connor Rose. Christopher Hivju. 
the wildling from Game of Thrones. I love, love, love that show. There's a, a star in Natalie Emmanuel from Game of Thrones and Chris. Again, I'm just lucky to be able to work with such talented people. I wanted to do something really different. He has such a wild look. The wildling with the wild look, the red beard, the very expressive eyes. To give Cypher this henchman that really stood out is what I was going for because she's so subdued. You know, I kind of was, I think I was swinging for the fences with that one. And uh, he's a really nice guy. Really great guy as well. Fired deep into our brains to ensure continuation of species. When early men would visit a watering hole. This is another great monologue that Chris Morgan wrote for Cypher. We call it the crocodile monologue. And she goes into why... She's not really into family. It's a biological lie. And you really get a sense of who she is as a person. Her background and her philosophy is diametrically opposed to Dom's. He's the opposite. And she's trying to convince him that he's got it all wrong. And he needs to throw away what he thinks about and what he values about family and join her and her approach to life and her philosophy. What she doesn't know is she has a surprise coming, but I thought this was another great moment, not only for Vin, but for her. She is very controlled and very confident. You know, anyone who could actually essentially whisper and have you on the edge of your seat really is worth their weight in gold. And besides the fact that she hasn't blinked in about a minute and a half, really shows that she's taking this sociopath thing to the next level. <laughs> she hasn't blinked, I'm telling you. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this is why you hire a Charlize. You know, she can go up against all those muscles and you really, really, you're intimidated. We've got one last job to do. Cypher. This is one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. You get a little bit of the old Dom. If I were you, I'd kiss my son. You know, if I were you, I'd kiss my son. Because if it weren't for him, you, your plane, and all of this your security. wouldn't be on this earth. I think it was something like that. But when he said it on that day, I was kind of like, whoa. He really meant that. And again, just a great choice as an actor, you know? I think people, you know, when they watch this movie, they're going to be pleasantly surprised because with the Dom character, you get the brawn, you get the muscles, you get, you know, all the stuff that you, you're used to. But again, Vin is able to show his range as an actor, and, and I can't say it enough. I'm so impressed with him going all out and showing how vulnerable he can be, but also giving you those moments that you would expect from Dom. Just great stuff. But there's nothing in Vladivin. It's just ice. That's funny. 
could have sworn that. This is where the, one of those moments where there's a lot of exposition. <laughs> so a lot of explaining <laughs> that has to happen before we go to Russia. And this is my heavy lifter. Kurt Russell was my heavy lifter. Anytime I needed anything explained, we give all that dialogue to Kurt Russell because anything that he says, he can make fun. You know, if anybody had a page worth of explaining to do, it could get boring really, really quick. But he's such a pro. He'll come in and, you know, give you the medicine and you just wrapped in candy. And uh, that's something I have to do as a director is really identify the strengths of the creative people that I'm working with. And he has this gift where I can give him pretty much anything and he'll make it work. And he did. Separatist, whatever, it's suicide. It's stopping World War III. What's it gonna be, Rook? You're gonna close your eyes on this one too? Pray that the- Hobbs convinces little nobody that, you know what? You gotta get over all this rule stuff. You gotta come join the team. And this is, of course, when he finally gets it. I think I figured it out. We're not gonna play by the rules. And of course, that's just, the philosophy of the fast team, the fast family. There are no rules. And of course, Letty's like, finally, this guy gets it. You know? It's a good moment. All bets are off. All bets are off. Bets are off. That's Vidanya. And because all bets are off, of course, what do they do? They being Tej and Roman, they grab the Lamborghini. And of course, Tej grabs the tank. A couple other cool cars in there. The Rally Fighter, Hobbs' ice truck. It's pretty insane. I actually really wanted to do something really cool with that truck over uh, Letty's shoulder, that's Hobbs' truck. I didn't want, you know, a four by four truck because you're so used to Hobbs having these big trucks. I wanted a truck with tank tracks on the bottom. And at first they're like, oh, you're crazy. We can't do that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. And uh, again, the wizard, Dennis McCarthy, he pulls it off. So I have a Lamborghini in the ice. I have a tank. I have a Subaru. I have a rally fighter. I have a big Dodge truck with tank tracks on the bottom. And uh, it, was, it was just fun, man. I, I got to say... When I was a kid, I used to play with Hot Wheels and Legos. I used to build cars and, you know, destroy cars. And after Strata Compton, which is my last film, with so much drama involved, I really wanted to have some fun. So this movie kind of represents that. Don't get me wrong, it was a challenge, a massive challenge, shooting around the world and dealing with the logistics. But to be able to just play with toys like this, Look at that car, the Dom's Ice Charger. This car is a 1968 Dodge Charger. And um, I mean, when you get a chance to build out a car like that, this all custom, made for ice, this thing goes over 225 miles an hour. When you get a chance to play like that, And of course, there's the EMP. You know, I've been talking about cars so much. I'm forgetting the story. I don't want to forget the story. This is where they actually use the EMP, which is so great, because when they 
activate this thing, the concussive blow sends the ice and the snow a half a mile in every direction. It's, it's phenomenal. It's just a phenomenal effect. How long? 60 seconds. All right, um, you have one pulse left in that EMP. That sub is heavily insulated. You're going to need to be right underneath it for this thing to work. But getting back to what's important, the cars. This ice charger in the snow, essentially up against a submarine, is what third act is about. And uh, I love it. This guy is going up against helicopters, up against submarines, and... Uh, Come on, man. You know, it just doesn't get much better than that. Not in real life. You know, we could play with toys and stuff like that, but when, you, when you're able to do this in real life, it just doesn't get much better. I don't even know what I'm going to do next for, for a movie because, you know, to pull out all these toys and just, you know, big explosions and fast cars and an amazing cast, I might have to retire after this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. Damn. I think Cypher just re This nuclear submarine, you got to ask the question, how does Tej know about nuclear submarines when he had an afro and uh, I think it was fast, Too Fast, Too Furious and he was just doing cars? Google. I assume that this guy just got some audio books and Google and just like really went in. And over the last 10 or 14, 15 years, he just kind of did his whole MIT thing online. So now he knows about nuclear subs. <laughs> That's how I justify it in my mind. You can learn anything on the internet. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ah, oh, man, another cool moment where you have this bulletproof charger that is, you know, going through sheer hell. Now you have Hobbs going through with his big, massive truck that could actually tear down walls. This is where you start having a lot of fun because every single car has its thing, you know? It has its own individual strength. The Rally Fighter, the Lamborghini. How do you justify all these cars out here? I can't tell you, but I just think it's damn cool. That's another cool, fun moment for me with Letty and the machine gun. She's so badass. I always love to see women with guns. You know, Le Femme Nikita, which is a French film by Luc Besson, was one of my favorite films. I think after I saw that film, I went and made a bank, robbers, uh, bank robbery movie with Queen Latifah and Jada Pinkett called Set It Off. So women with guns, it's always a thumbs up for me. So now Dom, he's done the deed. He's really gone out there. He's disabled the sub. Now he's on his way out. Could you imagine what it took to actually lock down a Russian naval base where they build submarines and decommission submarines, nuclear submarines, and to just take over a massive location like that and to you know shoot these types of scenes? I'm not gonna get into the details, but just know it took a, an army of people to make this happen. Okay. 
How do you like this? Remote link has been severed. I'll take care of this. Now we get back to the hacking war. This is where Ramsey tries her best to go up against Cypher. And uh, that little laptop, she's really good, but you know, with the billion dollars worth of technology on that plane, um, she's gonna have a real, real hard time. This is a great moment, I think, because Michelle Rodriguez reminds me of Patricia Arquette in that hellish fighting moment in the movie True Romance by one of my favorite directors, Tony Scott. It was a Tarantino movie, actually. It was written by Tarantino back in the day. And it was such a brutal scene where there's a guy fighting this woman, and he's just, like, fighting her like she's a guy. And this is what's happening with Michelle's character, and uh, she's holding her own. Oh, I mean, as you'll see, she holds her own. Of course, the guy's in the sub. They got to figure it out. They have no idea what they're doing without Tej. They're locked in this room. The hacking battle continues. And um, okay, like I said, when you have a billion dollars and a super plane, you're going to have a hard time with that little laptop. I, I got to give props to Ramsey. The little laptop is uh, powerful, but not powerful enough. And this, bam! Another one of those just insane moments where she's literally holding off an attack with one of the biggest guys I've ever seen in my entire life, and she's still standing. The Rock, always cool, always great in a fight sequence. You know, people not only come to the Fast series for the cars, but they want to see a kick-ass fight. And I decided to give you two at the same time. One with Letty, one with Hobbs, both of which I think are actually pretty damn cool. Especially in close quarters. It'll be labeled guidance go. Guidance go, Okay, I got some. This is where I give you a little of that humor. Roman reading Russian is classic. <laughs> I did like multiple takes of that just to laugh. He was great in that moment. Of course, I really think Michelle Rodriguez is capable of this. She, you know, she's just hardcore. That was just a rehearsal. I just shot it. She kicked a guy off the damn ledge. <laughs> this is a, a cool moment. One, because I actually like that Jeep. We don't feature it much, but that's a Jeep, a Rhino. And uh, Chris Hivju drives that thing and... It's just really, really cool. It's kind of futuristic, has militaristic kind of vibe to it. And you don't see it much, but in and amongst all these really cool cars, Lamborghinis and Bentleys and things like that, it kind of stood out to me because it was different and you don't see it often. Really like that Jeep. What the hell is going on, man? Now, here's where the stakes can't get any higher. She's about to launch this nuke. They can't find the chip. And of course, the smartest guy on the sub is locked out. So you have the equivalent of Heckle and Jekyll trying to figure it out. Let's see if they figure it out. Of course. 
they figure it out. Something's wrong. <laughs> we couldn't leave you hanging that much. And they're not really heckling Jekko, so. Now! That was a fun moment. racing to the cars before this dry dock enters the bay is what the team has to race against. I didn't really mention it earlier, but in the script, it just said there was a submarine there. You see it now emerging in the water. It's actually on top of a submarine dry dock. And, it, you know, which is actually a ship itself, is a vessel. It's kind of like a, a tow truck for a submarine. And I thought that was so cool. I wish I had featured it more, but I didn't just want to just show a submarine, because we've seen submarine movies and stuff like that. I wanted to see a submarine on what was the equivalent of a tow truck for a submarine. And now that thing has been submerged and underwater, and it's on the loose. Here's that comedic moment with Roman to counter the drama and the suspense. And um, Tyrese is just naturally funny. You know, he's a kid out of Watts, California, and he's just, he's just a natural comedian. Every time I hang out with that guy, he constantly has me laughing. So it was actually pretty easy to get a performance out of him because I know how to push those buttons to get him, get him going, and he... He's uh, just naturally funny. Don, do you really want to put that car in gear? Do it. <gasps> this is, again, where you have our main character in the movie, Dom, who has very few words in the third act. He has very few words in the movie. And... Um, he still has to give a performance without lines. And, you know, some people think that, that that's easy, but sometimes that's the hardest performing you can do because you can't rely on the, 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 the normal crutches of, you know, dialogue. You have to internalize a lot, and it's very easy to overact. And uh, again, he just made a lot of really good choices to be someone who's so used to overtly giving you, you know, um, ma making certain choices as an actor because that's what these characters call for. But for him to have to come from a place that's more internal, I just think he did a really, really great job. No, they ain't. Now, this ice sequence is... Um, a total contrast to Cuba. You know, I was, I told, you know, my production designer and, you know, my entire team that I wanted fire and ice. And that's really what you're gonna see is the contrast of red flames and also the blue sky and, and the blue ice and just the mix of those colors. The contrast gives you a different look and it's completely different than what we established in Cuba. And I was very conscious of how I wanted this to feel, you know, which is the, you know, 180 degrees opposite of Cuba. 
I wouldn't call it a trick, but it's definitely something to keep the audience kind of engaged in a different way because they just don't see the same color palette over and over and over again. So I consciously made this part of the movie feel a certain way so you felt like you were transported to another part of the world that felt completely different. My DP, Steve Winden, did an amazing job really creating the looks with me. Again, more humor to counter and to balance the drama with, uh, that's a pretty strong door. Those are pretty. <laughs> I, that's one of those moments where I kind of scratch my head and go, wait a minute. I know that was a bulletproof door, but could it withstand all the gunfire? But uh, apparently it was a really strong door, so. Number 11, my ass. Now, if you knew what it took to get Tyrese on a plane to go to Iceland, I literally had to call him at home, and I didn't have to beg, but I really had to convince him that it was important for him to do that moment on the ice. And this guy hates the cold. I'm talking about he would rather be anywhere on planet Earth as long as it has nothing to do with ice or cold weather. He's a true Californian, and um, I convinced him to do that, and he was so cold, he did two days' worth of work <laughs> in one day for one of these sequences and just jumped on the plane and went home. He's like, I, I got it. I'll just work for 15 hours and just make this happen for you. That's how much he hates the cold. This is a great moment where the audience literally claps because we reveal that the Shaw brothers are not only alive, but they're a part of Dom's plan. This is uh, Dom's genius bringing our actor, Luke Evans, who is Owen Shaw, back to the series, not as a bad guy, but for the moment, a good guy, which is a total surprise, and the audience loves it. You're supposed to be dead. Here's a quick Easter egg. Really funny. Adding Don Omar and Tego Calderon. I'm glad we did it. We have a security breach in the cargo hold. Take care of it now. Jesus, Mom. You're supposed to avoid the nerves. Oh, shut up. Don't be such a baby. Get to the pilot. He's got the second key. This is where we save the baby. Now, this flashback is extremely cool because it brings back Celestino, who, again, is awesome. If you remember him, he's from Cuba. He's the guy who Dom changed. And, you know, a little message in there. Hey, listen, you don't always have to be a jerk. You can be nice, and sometimes it pays off. And uh, just a little nugget in there for those who should evolve. It was just a cool moment. Yes. This is a funny moment between mother and son. We all can identify with being guilted by our moms, 
And uh, she plays this one to the T. Yeah, well, it's uh, one of those things where you have one of the toughest guys on the planet being manipulated by his mom. And that slap comes from my, my assistant, Charlie. Charlie McLeod actually came up with that idea. And uh, I, I, I ran with it. When she slapped him, that was a real slap, too. I laughed my butt off. It was actually really funny. Call yourself a brother. And there it goes. The tears, then, of course, the smile. I'm having flashbacks of my mom. And here's that two-man fail-safe system that Dom mentioned earlier in the film, where he says he has no choice, and the only two people who could really pull this off for him are the Shaw brothers. He couldn't do it by himself, and he was smart enough to enlist the help of the Shaw brothers in order to do that. I thought it was actually pretty gangster for him to get Shaw's mom you know, which is a violation. If you know anything about the streets, you don't go to someone's mom. But he did, and it's probably the only person who convinced the Shaw brothers to do it, which was genius on Dom's part. Now you have the baby. They grab the baby, and I'm gonna tell you a little bit about that baby in just a minute. His name is Carlos Delahaz, and he is amazing. But you gotta have this moment. What you think you're doing? Looking at you dead in Looking at you dead in the eyes. And now, what well, we've all been waiting for, the moment where Dom kicks some ass. And we didn't want to do a long, drawn-out fight. We wanted to do something that really showed us frustration. Bam! And there it is. Something simple, but with a lot of impact. And that was, you know, I considered Rhodes a physical manifestation of Cypher. Because obviously we want to put, we didn't want to have a fight sequence between Dom and Cypher, even though he was really pissed off at her. But he took out all of his frustrations on Rhodes. And, uh, you know, maybe in, an, in the next film, you might see a fight between Letty and uh, Cypher. Who knows? But this one was Rhodes and Dom. Now there's Carlos. We call him the miracle baby. And the reason why we call him that, there's a chipmunks, by the way. I had to put that song in there just, just to have some fun and throw on a pair of Beats headphones for him. Again, another uh, shout out to my Stray Out of Compton partners. But Carlos, man, this kid was so amazing. Um, when you bring a kid onto the set, you can only work with him for a couple of hours, and that's it, you know, uh, you know for good reason. And you have multiple babies. And there was another baby that we worked with. I won't tell all our secrets, but I think his name was James. He was a good dude. And there was another baby that just didn't work because he was crying every time we brought him on the set. And Miracle Baby would just show up. We'd put him in the scene, roll the camera, and he would just give us things that we couldn't even imagine. We couldn't even write some of the stuff he did. He would say, Dada. He would reach for the screen, he would reach for Vin. If you look at just his chemistry, you talk about on-screen chemistry, he had great chemistry with Jason. And um, he would just do really cool stuff. This is 
a great moment that Chris Morgan came up with, somewhat of an homage to a John Woo film back in the day. And, you know, I, I questioned it at first, because I'm like, wait a minute, what about the gun, the loud gun noise and the gunshots? And uh, we saw that with the headphones, the noise cancellation headphones. So that's how we kind of explain away why this kid wasn't traumatized by that uh, fight sequence. This is, of course, Dom's hero moment with the ice charger. Gave you a little bit of Dukes of Hazard with that, you know, jumping off the cliff, saving the world, saving the moment, saving the team, saving the family. And a good hell yeah moment from Roman when he blows up half of the vehicles trying to chase them. I love it. And those were real explosives. And if you knew what it took to actually engineer these massive explosions on ice, I think you'd be impressed with our special effects guys. J.D. Schwamm, our special effects guy, and his team did, I mean, just nothing short of miracles all throughout this movie. I'm, I'm sorry to even mention him earlier with all of the cars dropping out of the uh, parking lot in New York. Just the engineering that it took for the wrecking ball and, you know, the explosions. Like, you know, we had hundreds of people working on this film in different places around the world. The thing I regret is that I can't thank every single one of them by name because it's just so many to do that. But the people that I did mention, I really appreciate them because I couldn't dream up, you know, some of this stuff. And if I could dream it up, I, it, I sure couldn't tell you how to do it. So, you know, the technicians behind a lot of the stuff we take for granted here that looks cool, that sounds cool, that's entertaining, you know, it's, it's just a lot of very smart people behind it. And um, I appreciate it. I want to really thank them again. Go for a ride. Back in a sec. How cool is this? When I grow up, I want to be like Jason Statham. Where's that smile? There you go. There it is. Look at Carlos. <laughs> Again, this is one of the funniest moments for me. You're gonna shoot a baby? Comedic timings. Are you gonna shoot a baby? And then, of course, he goes and he smashes this guy's head. And look at James. Look at those eyes. He's just, that's real. It's not visual effects. This guy's like, what the hell is going on back there? And it's just funny. It's just really, really funny. And then, we, of course, we had to throw in a toilet humor. I'm not too good to throw a little toilet humor in there, you know. <laughs> I haven't been nominated for an Oscar yet, so. <laughs> and then, of course, the Godzilla moment with this nuclear attack sub that breaches the ice in Russia, chasing our team and destroying a few Russian separatists and their vehicles. This was a phenomenal moment, you know? And uh, 
When you gotta top yourself, when you gotta top cars flying out of an airplane, cars doing all types of, you know, jumps from building to building, you get a nuclear attack sub. And you have what is the equivalent of a chase with a nuclear attack sub. And now that's what we did. This is, uh, this is pretty, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. This is uh, insane. It's just insane. That's not good. That's not good! Letty gets her moment with her rally fighter. And of course, Ramsey gets put through it, not only in uh, Seven, but in this movie. She, she goes through it with Dom, and now in this movie, she goes through it with Letty. Of course, they survive it. This is a cool movie moment. If you can imagine the amount of gas it took to power that sub, you know, let alone these cars, you know, these are like high-powered cars or all the horsepower. To fill up the tank on a submarine is, needless to say, very expensive. And so I only had a few takes of this uh, submarine chase, and um, I'm glad Universal was supportive in, you know, chipping in on the gas for, for that moment. No! See, they just, that's like, $200,000 worth of gas in that one shot. <laughs> and those heat seekers, those things aren't cheap either. You fire a few of those, million dollars. <laughs> I'll let you figure that out. Now, there is a turbine built into Dom's ice charger that powers up the EMP. He's using that to draw in the heat seeker missile, which is genius. Of course, he loses it for a second, times it out, and of course, Cypher overplays her hand, and exactly what she did want to do, she does, and Dom does the iconic wheeling moment, which is just, you don't have a fast movie without it. And she she destroys the sub. She's pretty smart right up into that moment. And um, Dom is fireproof at this moment. <laughs> now remember, the, the car is bulletproof, so you have to assume if he opens that door, he can fly, you know, a couple of little, you know, Bruised elbows, he's, he's good, it's Dom Toretto. This is not like some average guy. He survives it, but he's not gonna survive this explosion unless, wait for it, the family who's been apart for this entire movie, for the most part, the family comes and they save the day, he saves the day, they all kind of do it simultaneously. He saves the world by destroying the sub, and they come in and they shield him from the explosion. And one last little bit, which is the cherry on top. Got the baby, an empty gun, and nothing but space in between us. You won.
There's the cross. Dom puts a tracking device in that cross. Remember when I was telling you he was soldering something in the beginning of the movie in Cuba? That's what he was doing. Put a tracking device in that cross, and he placed it on the plane so that the Shaw brothers could actually find and track down this plane. There is only one flaw in your plane. And What's that? save the baby and then thwart Cypher's plans, which is what they did. Now, of course, she's super smart, and he's got to make a choice to either save the baby or go for Cypher, and he does the right thing. He grabs Dom's kid, saves the day, but just misses Cypher. And there's Carlos with that amazing smile. That was just a great moment. Time to land, boys. Now, there's the slow motion walk no, I never loved you. in the ice cold. And you know I never will. Michelle Rodriguez is, I know. she's the bomb. Think about it. Anyone who can wear spandex and 30 below and not even flinch, come on. She's right up there with Dom. And you can start with that. Baby. I love her. She's awesome. So now Dom's back with the family. We realize he had a great reason hey, Dom. to actually do what he did, which is family, family. He, his son, you know, which was the thing, you know? The only thing that could draw Dom away from his family is his family. And so now the family's back together. Everybody's pitched in and saving the world or saving each other. And um, we got a new addition to the family, Scott Eastwood and um, Dom's child. We make it back to New York. And this is something we talked about. We were like, well, we blew up the house, right? So there's no longer the house where the barbecue scene could happen in LA. So we decided to do it on a rooftop in the city in New York. Now, there was quite a debate on where this would happen, how it would happen, and uh, everyone settled on New York City. This is a cool moment because these guys obviously are in love with Ramsey, and uh, they've been vying for her attention throughout I mean, there was more scenes, actually, where they were just trying to go after her. So this scene is the payoff for those moments. So, you know, the revenge of the nerd moment and the Dark Knight moment all culminates in this. And I have to admit, I, you know, I put myself in my movies sometimes, but I'm such a bad actor. So instead of, you know, doing a little cameo in this movie, I actually have... Ludacris say something, which is an homage to one of my first movies, which is Mrs. Parker. And if you know my first movie, Friday, then you know when Chris Tucker say, hey, Miss Parker, it's kind of a, you know, a double entendre because uh, Tej's last name is Parker, and, you know, he does the whole thing. So that's uh, my little contribution to the movie without putting my, my, my face in this thing, which, you know probably wouldn't help. That is if you want it. 
And of course, the happy ending. Hobbs gets his job back, he gets the opportunity, but uh, look at those, look at those eyes. She gives him the eyes again, and he decides, you know what? I'm gonna take a little time off. Daddy's staying home. And spend a little more time with my family. So it all ties up nicely. You have Hobbs and his daughter, which is family. Uh, hang on a second. You have Dom now with his son, which is family. You have Shaw with his brother, which is family. And then, of course, you have everyone all wrapped up in one big happy family. So instead of saying it throughout the movie, I played on the theme visually. Um, and again, that's one of those moments he just mentioned his mom is like you know you know the game you know the rules but you don't bring mothers into the game but he did he did it respectfully and uh i think jason you know he mentioned it but you know he said i respect that and he got over it yes. look at miracle baby see he just pointed up instinctively just the best kid he looked like he could be Vin's son, by the way. I love that. That's always a challenge, casting someone who you believe. And I, I like this moment. This is just a really quick moment that I had to fight to put in the movie because I wanted him to ask Letty for her acceptance of the kid. And when she puts her hand in his palm, that's her accepting his 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 new his new child. I didn't want it to to be a foregone conclusion that she was just gonna be okay with this. And so I fought really hard to put that moment in because I think that out of respect for her, he had to say, "Listen, this is my life from now on. Are you gonna continue this journey with me? Are you gonna ride or die with me and my son?" And when she does that, she accepts and. People asked us, how are we going to respect Paul's legacy? And um, naming uh, Dom's child, Brian, was part of that. You know, we, want, we didn't want to go too far. And it's a really delicate balance that we had to strike because I, you know, didn't want to be exploitive, but we wanted to be respectful of the legacy. And so naming the kid Brian was, I think, the classiest way to really, really respect Paul's legacy. And there you have it, The Fate of the Furious. I'm so proud of this movie. I'm so proud of working with this cast, working with Universal, working with my producers and uh, my writers and my editor and my team, my crew. I'm very, very proud of this movie. And when I put this poster up, this is one for the record books. And that's it. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys.
my life. Yeah. I just pulled up in the bands. It was just me and my man's. Fish bowl, no time. Scooping your for her friends. Most of that f the movies. Ain't got no love for the groupies. See back while she do me. She get water than jacuzzis. She don't go like a gray light. She get ran through like a red light. If they hit the right, then the bread rise. Shorty know I be there every night. Rollin', rollin'. With A1 like steak sauce Zero to 60 I take off Can't see me losing like Ray Charles They tell me slow down I'm going too fast Young I just wanna do the dash I'm so reckless Hope I don't crash Cause I'm rolling Like the whip stolen Yeah All these horses in my car Got me going fast I just wanna do the dash Put my pedal to the gas I'm in love with the ghost now. She's full of emotions, and now she's my old. Cause my Rari knows how to ride when it goes now. And my watch on froze, watch it glow when the lights out. If it's hot or cold, we gon' still bring the bikes out. I jumped out of Rolls Royce and I hop in a lamb now. When I push the button, they like, what the fuck is that sound? All these horses in my car got me going fast. I just wanna do the dash, put my pedal to the gas. Play gon' get his head, boys, you know how we comin' Strap like the neighbor sales, promise you don't want it This for them, this for them, they speaking on me Rob who you got me f***ed up, you ain't taking any He gon' be, gon' be a murder, play with that money It's gon' be, it's gon' be a murder, come round up on me be a, It's gon' be a murder, burn you and your homie It's gon' be, it's gon' be a murder, thinking that I'm stunned It's gon' be a murder be a murder if you think about taking some from me talk about your body but i bet you ain't gonna play with me try me if you wanna i stay with that burner on me i can't let you get no rip off me you must think i'm a hoax up i don't know who the f you must take me for that shit that you talking ain't fearing us Sky, you come, you ain't seeing us. Say we beefing, gon' catch him and what him up. Tell me pull up and I'm pulling up. Up that it bang, we ain't sparing nothing. Caught him up in the bottom, he ran from me. So you know he flexing with them bands. Whole lot of more up in my pants. Try to take it, all you hear is bang. Try to take it, all you hear is bang. They gon' get his head, boys, you know how we coming. Strap like the neighbor sales, promise you don't want it. This for them, this for them. Be speaking on me, Rob Poole, you got me f***ed up, you ain't taking any He gon' be, gon' be a murder, play with that money It's gon' be, it's gon' be a murder, come round up on me be a, It's gon' be a murder, burn you and your homie It's gon' be, it's gon' be a murder, thinking that I'm stunned It's gon' be a murder